Welcome to the Art of Pilates podcast. I'm your host, Louise Torp from Torp Pilates. Let me help you live better through Pilates. I aim to keep you motivated, inspired, and informed with insight into many Pilates topics and awesome Pilates practitioners. If you'd like to engage with the podcast further, you can find me at the Art of Pilates group on Facebook. Let's start. Welcome to The Art of Pilates. I'm here today with Helen Fletcher. Helen is level four APMA professional practitioner, movement educator, and writer. She is a former contributor to USA-based magazine Dressage Today and Australian Equestrian Life magazine. She is an Equitana 2018 presenter and a member of the International Association of Equestrian Biomechanics. So welcome to the show, Helen. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you, Louise. So when did your love of horses and equestrian sport begin? It started when I was five. And my sister, my sister was probably the instigator in the family. Both my parents had grown up with horses and my elder sister wanted a pony desperately. So she saved all her pocket money and we got our first pony. So by default, at the age of five, I started to ride and was bought my own pony. I think I was about seven or eight. And that was just the beginning of a long love affair with, I think, once it's in your blood. It's very difficult to yeah. get rid of. And horses are such beautiful creatures they as are. well. So how did you become involved in Pilates? When I was living in the UK in 1989, I actually went over there to ride and I was riding and having a little bit of a break. And my mother, who lived there at the time, had heard of Pilates and was telling me about it. So when I moved back to Australia, I took a break from riding, moved to Melbourne. And one of the first things I wanted to do was find Pilates and it took 12 months and finally I got to, I was on the number eight tram going past the ballet school and I asked one of the dancers if she'd heard of Pilates and where I could do it and I really fell on my feet she directed me toward Andrew Baxter wow and I started with his wife Kim and then moved to him later this was around about 1991 92 wow and but, so what's the relationship between horse riding and Pilates is there a relationship Historically, no. But from my very first lesson, I can clearly remember walking down um, Park Street in South Melbourne thinking this would be amazing for riders. And I think at that point, because I was just learning Pilates, what attracted me, what, what made me think that there would be a really good marriage was the attention to detail, the focus on posture, the mindfulness. It was very disciplined when I start, first started learning Pilates. And that's all really what is dressage is, is um, very much like that too. So as I became more experienced in Pilates and I became a teacher and I learned more about um, biomechanics and functional anatomy, then it began to change, sort of progress further my thoughts on how good it would be into, as you can imagine, with the deeper knowledge of yeah, of, of anatomy and posture as well. So I imagine that creating a perfect plumb line for the rider would make them lighter for the horse. Is that a consideration when working with people who do equestrian sports competitively? Look, it is, and I think that's a that's a really good question because absolutely yes, alignment is really important. Posture is really important, but it is a dynamic sport. So there needs to, to, to have the rider's centre of gravity over the horse's centre of gravity at all times is what maintains balance yeah. through, through the combination of both horse and rider. 
But as I said, it is dynamic, so it's ever-changing. Yeah, but like surfing, I guess. It is. And for, yes, to be able to maintain posture whilst there's constant change. So riders need to be adaptable. Yeah. They need to be dynamically stable. And they have so, to look so good as well. Like, I imagine that's part of it. Like, you can't look like, you know, you're floppy on the horse. No, well, that's part of the dynamic stabilisation. So they need to be very supple in some areas and dynamically stable in others. So they look, if you look at a good dressage rider, they look like they're not really doing anything. Yeah. But there's there's absorption of forces going through many of the joints. So if there's blockages through ankles, through hips, through the spine, through the lumbar spine particularly, then you see a lot more movement wow. than, than what you should. There's a real combination needed of suppleness and mobility through yeah. through the joints, dynamic core stability, yeah, and adaptability. Wow. Mm. So Can it's I'm sorry. Yeah. It's it's more complex than it first appears. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. It just it does look so amazing though, that control of because horses are such big creatures. It's just like how do you control such a huge animal? And I think that's where the secret lies because you need to be able to influence them. Do you do that with your thighs? Well, not really. If you, in the beginning of of riding, the most important thing is you don't want to disturb the horse. So that's number one. But then you need to be able to influence the horse when it's required. And you can do that through what in the horse terms you call the seat. And the seat encompasses the thighs, the pelvis and the spine basically. Yeah. So it's very subtle movements. And you do have, you know, you take your legs on and off the horse very subtly. You can move your seat bones. You can move them through very small, quite small movements. Wow. Mm. Can you actually do Pilates on a horse? I take a lot of the Pilates concepts because I teach, when I run a clinic, I teach my riders off the horse and then we go onto the arena and I teach them on as well. So the concepts can definitely be taken onto the into the saddle. Yeah, I use um, Franklin balls and a few different props as yeah. well, really t- for um, t- to develop the rider's awareness a little a little bit. Yeah, and so there's not you couldn't say okay we're doing such and such an exercise, but a lot of the exercises I do and I do a lot of exercises with them the. The principles of Pilates are in there. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And <laughs> is that, you know the exercise horseback that you can do on the ladder barrel and it's you can do it on the reformer on the box and also on the chair. Is mm. that is that relevant for dressage and, and horse equestrian sports? It's a really good question <laughs> because a lot of people assume that it is. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think it's because obviously it was named because you're sitting on a barrel or you're sitting on a box. And yeah. It looks like you might be riding. Yeah. But if you look at, if you break, let's break it down on the ladder barrel. Yeah. So you're in uh, lumbar and spinal flexion. Yeah, that's yep. right. And you're adducting. Yeah. Yep. So you're popping up off. Yeah. Yep. That in a dressage seat, you want the absolute opposite. Oh, you're kidding. So you're in like a and more an anterior pelvic tilt. You want or? to be in you, your baseline position is a neutral spine. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that you've got 
as much range of movement through the pelvis that you can. Yeah. Because when you sit on a horse, if you're already in an end range position, so yeah. you're either too tucked posterior, down, too, under, yeah. too anterior, a lot of things happen. You locked out in end range. So when we move, when the horse moves underneath you, mm. your pelvis moves three dimensionally, continually. Oh. So you get um, you get a posterior anterior tilt. Yeah. You get m- movement in all planes. So where you're swinging the hips, like I can see Helen sort of swinging her hips forward and like as in left and right hip swinging forward, as you would when you're walking, actually. Exactly. It's the pelvis like that. move. That's why yeah. re- a lot of um, rehabilitation is done on horses because the movement through the pelvis is exactly the same as when we're walking on our feet. So that's in walk. In trot, if you're rising trot, you're lifting up and down out of the saddle. Do you use your glutes when you're doing that in a trot? More your hamstrings. Oh, okay. Yep. In a sitting trot, you want to be absorbing a lot of force through the pelvis. You need to be very supple. Oh. Yep. And then that force goes through the pelvis and into the spine. Wow. At a canter, again, you've got, it, it's a different rhythm, it's a different beat, but the pelvis is having to move. So if you're locked into either range, mm. uh, it's not good. And also, when you have your legs, if your legs are around a horse, they should have the weight of like a draped wet towel. That's a very oh. old fashioned saying. If you're squeezing a horse, yeah, a couple of things happen. A, you're popped up out of the saddle and what we want is actual depth so that you can feel the horse and the horse can feel you. Yeah. You um, block the latissimus dorsi and the serratus ventralis muscles of the horse so that it inhibits the movement of their shoulders and it inhibits their ability to turn. Wow. And to breathe as well if you're squashing them. And to breathe. And to breathe. And horses are very sensitive to our breath. And that's another beautiful thing um, with, with Pilates, the mindfulness connection to, to Pilates, taking that into your riding as well because yeah. breath is important. But, no, the horseback exercise, I would never cue anyone to do any of those things. Isn't that funny? But yeah. I'm really glad you asked because a lot of people assume that riders are hanging on with their legs and yeah. with their hands. Yeah. And if they are, it's it's not good riding yeah. and it's not good for the horse. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because as a kid uh, I had a friend who had a farm and we used to ride her horses and then as an adult I went on a, a tour where, we, where I got to ride a horse, like I was just walking with the horse, but my inside thighs were so sore mm. and I'm just like, is it because of the position I was in or maybe I was gripping with my legs because I was slightly terrified without being terrified? Like why is why do we get so sore? I think there's a few reasons. Some of it can be lack of conditioning because you are very abducted. Yeah. Mm. And it's not a position that we would be sitting in for, for a long period of time. Yeah. At a time. Yeah. So that's one thing. When you're a beginner rider, you will be gripping okay. <laughs> instinctively, and I'll tell you why in a second. What was the other one? So there's the... I think that was just... Just it, lack like, of conditioning. Yeah, lack, yeah, lack of conditioning yes. and so, yeah. And I, I find too, if I haven't ridden for a while, I can be a little bit sore. And, okay. And I think, okay, was I over-gripping? I don't believe I was. So it's really just I haven't ridden for eight That position that you're lack in. Of positioning, lack of condition. But if you're sitting on a horse and you're not balanced through your torso, and this happens to to everyone, so if you're a beginner rider, you're not going to be as balanced as someone who is. Instinctively, your 
fast. Abductors, particularly <laughs> your high abductors, are going to come on. Yeah. And they're going to be overworking. Yeah, yeah. So. Wow. Mm. And so how can Pilates help equestrian sport people? I think in multiple, multiple ways. So if you look at, first up we want to look at alignment. Yeah. So we all know about the joint congruency and how important that is for joint health. Mm -hmm. Um, When you put someone on a horse, you've got that as well, that you want to be well aligned. Yeah. You want them to be aligned to gravity so that it's a lesser load on the horse. Yeah, yeah. So that's one one thing. And for people to actually develop an an awareness of where they are in space, Mm. so their proprioception, we know Pilates is good. For improving that. Oh, and balance as well. And balance, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of forces going through the spine, as, I, as through the whole body, as I said before. So making sure that you're able, that you're supple and mobile, mobile through your joints, supple through your spine, supple through your hips. Yeah. And if anyone's working with the, with the myofascial meridians, which I've just started my training with the Art of Motion Academy, Making sure that, you know, healthy fascia yeah. is going to help with force absorption as well. Because it's thing. so interesting because dressage, it just looks like everyone's so held and not very supple. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> it's probably like a, like a duck's legs underwater or That's something. Right. That's exactly right. So if you can imagine a horse moving underneath you, unless you're absorbing the movement. Oh, yeah, then it's just going to Then jam. you're going to look rigid. rigid. But if you are absorbing, you're going to look like nothing's happening. Wow, mm. that's fascinating. Yeah, and breathing too, breathing big one. Oh, okay. Have you got more to say? I just thought. Um, with the, I just wanted to. There is something I wanted to say regarding Pilates and how good it is. And I think if you look at awareness, when to to get a horse to do something, no matter what discipline, there are aids that the rider gives the horse. So they're messages and signals. Yeah. Okay. And awareness is the key to the timing of, of you giving these aids to the horse. Yeah. Body control is the key to actually giving them. So you need to be able to control a leg here, um, a slight movement there. Yeah. Being present yeah. mentally is what we need to be, again, to be aware of timing and also for the, for the sake of the horses, being present with them. Yeah. And to come into a feeling body. And that, that they're some of the best tools a rider of any level yeah, can yeah. have in any discipline. And I think Pilates as a mindful movement practice, that alone is, is a great thing to be doing. Wow. But then add, you add on to that the ability that we do become much stronger everywhere. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Mm. It sort of reminds me of those films where you see people riding dragons and yes. how they have that connection with the dragon. That's exactly it's... right. <laughs> Like a centaur. Yeah. That's how a good rider really should look, that they're part of the horse. Wow. And that's mm. kind of like your logo as well, which I really love, because it's kind of like this person on a horse. Like, it's just like, it just looks like it's one. Mm. So, it's, yeah. Uh, one of my girlfriends actually designed that. It's it's lovely. Isn't yeah, it? it's really appropriate. Mm. It's absolutely fabulous. How can Pilates help to prevent injury with equestrian sports? Well, I think... With the motor control training we do with Pilates, the rider's reaction times improve, Mm -hmm. their proprioception improves, as we discussed. They're more adaptable to changing forces. Yeah. They're stronger, more mobile, more functional. Yeah. So that's huge. It can definitely assist in reducing falls because of all of those reasons. Yeah. Yeah. All that dynamic stability on the horse. Absolutely. 
And then Pilates is also really good in building confidence after injury or mm. the acute phase of a pathology. And I've got a client I'm working with at the moment who's had probably 10, maybe more years of chronic pain, and she's a rider. And so the Pilates is really helping her, A, to get stronger, but to also become a lot more confident. And she's taking her newfound skills with her into the saddle, and she's actually having huge success. That's awesome. Mm. It's, it's been really, really successful. Please book in for a Pilates session with me, Louise Torb. I can give you a session virtually via Skype or FaceTime or in person at my studio in St Kilda East, Melbourne, Australia. Email me, louise at torbpilates.com. That's L-O-U-I-S-E at T-A-U-B-E-P-I-L-A-T-E-S dot C-O-M. Or check out my studio website, louisetorbpilates.com. That's L-O-U-I-S-E-T-A-U-B-E-P-I-L-A-T-E-S dot C-O-M. Yeah, I find Pilates really helps people with back issues because you get that body confidence back again. Definitely. And you're in a very safe environment, so you can really slowly progress. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not too scary. You've got someone there supporting you all the way. So That's right. And I think Brent, Dr. Brent Anderson talks about people having positive movement experiences. Yeah. And then and I in my work over the last 14, 15 years, that's the thing that I found is the key to people coming back from injury, that every experience is positive. So if you do that well in the studio and then incrementally they go back onto the horses and they have positive movement experiences, yeah. then it just becomes this really positive snowballing effect. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. And it gets people moving again. Because with does. back injuries, you don't want to move at all. You just kind of like just want to stay completely yeah. still. And riding can be good for your back because it's if you're relaxed on a horse, it's very mobilising yeah. through the spine and you can get that beautiful movement. Wow. It's very interesting. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. What are common injuries for people who ride horses? Is there a common theme that comes through with horse riding injuries? Probably not so much an injury, but there's definitely postural issues that I see. Mm-hmm. A lot of tight piriformis. Okay. Tight psoas. If, and this is for riders that are not doing any cross-training. Oh, okay. So the people that are aware that cross-training will enhance their riding, yeah. not so much. But people I'm working with that haven't ever done anything other than ride, they're generally very tight through the piriformis, very tight through the psoas and the pecs. Oh, because their arms are always forward and their hips are always flexed. They so are always in a little bit of hip flexion. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And if they're not doing anything to offset that, they can get very, very tight. Oh. Now, as the psoas tightens, the lumbar tends to get a bit tighter as well. Yeah. Um, Actually, yeah, that's true. It would. Yeah. I see a lot of, uh, you know, tight sort of translated forward rib cages and flared ribs and very yeah, tight yeah. thoracic, lower oh. thoracic areas. And... Deep, weak, very weak, deep hip stability systems often. Yeah. And in the young riders, really sadly, we're now seeing more forward head posture and more sort of early kyphosis. symptoms of kyphosis, oh, which no. is sad. Because of the mobile will, phone. The mobile phone and the <laughs> computers and things. And that really, if you've got a, a very competitive young rider, that's something that they're going to work against because that will go yeah. as they progress yeah, mm. just for everyone as well. Yep. Like we yep. all need to work. I need to work on that as well. I've got to keep those shoulders open. 
I'm not sure if this is a silly question, but if someone has a scoliosis, mm. does their posture affect the horse? Like, will the horse be guided one way or the other because of the rider's postural imbalance? Like, will it go off to the right and curve around to the right because their weight distribution is kind of curving that way? It's a really good question. It's a very deep question to have to answer. I think uh, I'm going to give one of those mean answers. It just depends on the scoliosis. Oh, okay. Horses do shift. They do move in response to the shift of weight of the rider. Yeah. So there is definitely an issue there. Yeah. So it would depend on how... How much of a curve. How much of a curve. Or the centre of gravity going down. Yep. And also how that affects the position of the pelvis because they're going to feel more through the pelvis so if you've got if you can make sure that you're very supple and stable through the pelvis yeah is going to help and then a person like that if they do have an issue there the the one thing they would want to be working on to help their horse would be their rhythm because rhythm is really the language of the horse so you can offset an issue like a scoliosis by making sure that you are dynamically stable, that you have good hip mobility and that you can ride in rhythm with your horse. That for them to hear your cues and your aids, the rhythm is a really big thing. Wow. If you were brought that person into a Pilates studio, how could you translate that idea into the studio? Would you put them on a football or how could you get them into that feeling of rhythm in a studio environment? It's hard to do that in the studio. Oh, okay. Um, you can put them on a football. You can basically, what I do a lot with my people in the studio is to work on rhythm is to get them rhythmically working on the reformer. That's yeah. a good start. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then ideally, I, I want to see them on their horse and I work with them on their horses. Yeah. But if I can't, we do the best we can in yeah, the studio. with that idea of a rhythm. Yeah. What about something like, I'm just brainstorming, like, um, you know, the skater, the full skater on the reformer, mm-hmm. would that actually help with their rhythm where you're kind of like pushing out and then pushing the other way on the... I think in a way it's Standing would, side splits? In the, in the respect that you can get anything you can get into a rhythmical movement with, is going to alert them more to being in tune with rhythm. Yeah. But it would be hard to emulate the exact rhythm. Yeah, because horses are a living creature. They are, and their walk is a a four-time rhythm. Their trot is a two-time rhythm. The canter is a three-time rhythm. Yeah. So you can can practice being aware of rhythm, Mm. and then on the horse you need to become aware of what their rhythm is. Wow. And you can change it too. Wow. Oh, it's so fascinating. Very interesting. Yeah, it's really (laughs) fascinating. So when you were looking at, I I think there was a quote from Equestrian Life of yours, which was ideally this would involve a postural analysis both on and off the horse by a specialist equestrian Pilates instructor. So how can posture change on and off the horse? Do people's posture, does it change when they're on the horse? Generally what I see off the horse is often exaggerated on the horse, oh, which okay. is really interesting. But then that can change as well. Some on-horse postures are habit and they can be changed through awareness and the right cues mm-hmm. with different exercises and release techniques on the horse. Yeah. So you can have a posture that you see off. A, it can be exaggerated on, so you yeah. need to address that. And sometimes that's a long-term postural change. Yeah. And that's a very different thing. So if you've got someone with an exaggerated kyphosis, for example, you can give certain cues on the horse, but we know that that's off the horse, that's where the work has to be done. Oh. Yep, so there's no, there's not going to be a quick fix for that. Yeah. 
But then other riders might have little habits that they've picked up. Yeah, yeah. And I can cue them and do some release and things on the horse and some stability work and, and they can become aware of that little habit and change it. Yeah. But a full-blown postural issue, as we know as practitioners, then you're looking at a at time required, however many weeks or months that might take yeah. to really get on top of that. Yeah, and if you mm. let it go, it just comes back again. It does, and there's not a quick fix. Yeah, it's that, a kind of like maintain, maintain, maintain. You just have yeah. to keep coming in and keep practising whatever it is, back extensions or psoas stretches. or That's right. So, yeah, it's really interesting. Which kind of answers my next question. Do people develop muscle imbalances with equestrian sports? The wonderful thing about riding is it's a bilateral sport. Yeah. So, and I think, and I'm, I'm a little bit unsure of this with polo, I think that they hit the ball from either side of the horse. Yeah. But I know in eventing, in show jumping and in dressage and, and in the lower levels of all riding, it is bilateral. Yeah. So you can, it's not like tennis players. Yeah, or golf um, as well. Or golfers. Where you're just yep. ending up giving yourself a scoliosis from doing those sports. Yep. So you really you're working at, at some point using both legs, you're using your body evenly or you should yeah. be, and you're using, if you're using any arm movements, they're even. It's more imbalances that can come in in all planes through through neglect really oh okay (laughs) and a lot of riders will give their horses all of the care that they need they're not so good with their own bodies isn't that funny Mm. it's really interesting so if they're not looking after their own bodies they're not cross training in any way they're not having any physical therapy often they will just in certain areas as i mentioned before get tighter and tighter and tighter Mm. What are some of your favourite exercises to give people who participate in equestrian sports? Uh, For for basics and for things that people can do at home, I really like spine curls. Like bridging? Very basic bridging. So you've got the spinal articulation side of it for the mobility and suppleness. It opens the hips, works the glutes and the hamstrings. So I think core stabilisation as well, even yeah. though it's a lower level exercise. Yeah. It's an exercise, as we know, after many years of Pilates, both you and I would have done, you can never stop working on a spine curl. So yeah. it's something that people can do easily at home. Yeah. Um, I love Mermaid on both the Reformer and the Wonder Chair mm-hmm. because a lot of riders that I see are very tight through the thoracic Okay. And if they do, if they are quite tight through their lumbar extensors, mm-hmm. the mermaid on the wonder chair and the reformer really opens them up. Yeah, it gets, gets that, that whole stretched right it out. It does, and the whole spiral line, which oh, is really beautiful. So nice. The leg and footwork is really good for correct alignment and mobilising of the joints of the lower limbs. Because mm, quite often you're in a dorsiflexion when you're, your ankles are dorsiflexed. Is that right? They, they are. They are slightly. And there should be some absorption oh, through them. Oh, there should be some movement yep, so there. So they're not locked. They shouldn't be oh, locked in. Okay. They should be quietly Supple. absorbing yeah, a yeah. little bit of force. And I love the focus on the with the leg and footwork too on the stretch through strength with the spring resistance because you get that oppositional energy. Mm-hmm. So you pick that oppositional energy up and put it onto a horse and you require that axial elongation and oppositional energy there, which is really important for dynamic stabilisation. So it's not purely functional on the reformer, but it is beginning to have the concept. Yeah, because horse riding is so functional, like it's so upright and it's just like, yeah, it's really dynamic. 
And the knee stretch series too oh. for hip disassociation. Oh, that's so interesting. Mm. I would I never have it. thought of that. But, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. When you're riding a horse, do you use your glutes when you're riding a horse? You don't use the glutes. If you squeeze your glutes on, it'll lift you up. Oh, okay. Again. So you might need so you, to have that if you're doing something. You actually want to be particularly in dressage. You want to have a very open oh. base of seat and pelvic Filling floor. Filling wide through the pelvis. Now, when you're up in a in a jumping seat or you're going yeah. cross country and you're up in almost like a squat, yeah. or like the jockeys, if you yeah. see the jockey position, yeah. they're using their glutes. Oh, okay. They, they should be coming on functionally. Then. That's a bit like a knee stretch position, actually, when you think of a jockey. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. But you don't, in a dressage seat, actively using your glute. In fact, the opposite. You want to have a very open seat. Why does the piriformis get so tight in equestrian sports? Is that I because it's because trying to stabilise or...? I think because of the constant hip flexion. Oh. And um, a lot of riders too, as I said, they're, they're, a lot of them are not stretching. They might be riding many horses a day. Yeah. Or if they're not, they may have a, a desk job. They might oh. have to drive two hours every second day to get to their horse so they're always of, in that flex some of, position some of like yes exactly oh my hip flexors are getting sore just talking about this actually. <laughs> <laughs> i wish you could see helen here because she talks with her hands and everything's been described through her hands i wish we had like just a video of her hands i didn't realize how much i do that <laughs> until i saw the photos of myself presenting at Ecotana. and at one point i had to hold a microphone and my notes and i was completely <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Oh, but no. I can't speak without moving my hand. I know, but it's so it just brings so much more to the whole conversation. So we'll have to do another one down the track where we actually video. video. <laughs> what is one piece of advice you would give a new Pilates instructor on how to work with someone who was a passionate participant in equestrian sports? Okay. If they're not riders themselves, I would talk to them a lot, ask lots of questions. So you want to find out what type of riding they do, and ask them what their issues are. So if they come in with, a, with an issues that they want to improve for their riding, generally they know what they are, they're aware of what their weaknesses are, even if they're unsure of how to fix them, or even if they're unsure of what they are from a movement and a biomechanical perspective. Does that make sense? They're yeah. usually able to say, my left leg doesn't work on circles. Yeah. So uh-huh. then you have to delve a bit deeper. Yeah, so yeah. what do you mean by that? Does it yeah. feel disconnected? Yeah. Does it feel weaker? Does it feel tighter? So ask a lot of questions. All the riders I know want to be better. Yeah. So they're willing, once you give them the tools, generally speaking, they're willing to do the work. If they're competitive, they want to win. And if they're driven and self-motivated, which most of them are, and you, you can... Find out as much as you can about what their issues are, delve a bit deeper and work with them to improve. They will equally commit and they can end up being, you know, one of one of your best clients because they really want to do what's best for their riding and for their horses. Yeah. But it, but really for many, many years, this is quite new, this the type of work I'm doing. Yeah. For many years, no one really looked at how their own body could help. Now, way back in the future, the rider's position was hugely important and these sorts of things were talked about, not in the oh, perspective in the of past, Pilates, in the past. Yeah, oh, in the past. Yeah, people did seat training, you know, in Europe in the early days. They did work on their position and posture. Is this posture. like 1920s or something where they did all that? Well, um, I actually, I can't tell you what year <laughs> it would be. But they did 
Frithy's Spanish Riding School, for example, yeah. they weren't allowed to ride a horse on their own till they'd worked on the lunge for a year, which meant they were on the horse working on their position, their ability to be balanced, their ability to apply the aids, but they didn't have control of the horse. The, a man in the centre had the horse on a on what we call a lunge rein, so, oh. so basically a, a rein. So they spent a year perfecting their position Whoa. so that they had what would be referred to as a, you know, a stable seat. Somewhere in the middle there, that seemed to get a little bit lost. Mm. Um, but I'm really pleased, and it's worked well for me with the timing of my business, that in the last few years, an awareness of rider fitness, an awareness of how important it is, an awareness of how it can help the horse as well and improve the horse's movement, the horse's mm -hmm. soundness. There's a bit of research going on now. So it's really coming into its own. And um, I feel really lucky because I first started my business maybe 15 years ago, very small. Yeah. And as I was bringing my son up yeah. um, on my own, when he finished year 12, I thought, okay, I can do more now. And just at that time, the world began to get a little bit more interested. So the timing for me when I had the time to, to, put my, to put more work into what I'm doing when my son finished school was really fortuitous. So yeah. it's much more popular now than yeah. it was. And I am so busy that I just can't really keep on top of it all. Wow, that's awesome. Plus I teach four days a week in a regular studio. Yeah. So um, at the moment I have two jobs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's full on. So, Helen, how can people get in touch with you? There's a few ways. They can go onto my website, which is equipoisepilates.com.au. And how do you spell equipoise? E-Q-U-I-P-O-I-S-E-P-I-L-A-T-E-S, -E -E okay. equipoise pilates. Yeah. And equipoise means balance. Ah, oh, mm. equipoise means balance. Mm. It's such a good word. Balance of forces. Yeah. That is a really good word. Yeah. And... They can, they can find me on Facebook mm -hmm. at Equipoise Pilates. I'm on Instagram, but I've, I don't do Instagram very well because I'm private. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Everyone keeps telling me, that's not how you do Instagram. Yeah, you have to be on there all the time. Exactly. But you're actually private on Instagram. Like, you, do I'm you have a private? I have a private. How I mean, can people follow you? If you're private, you're going to have to make your profile <laughs> not private. I really need to. It's quite silly. I don't yeah, know why I do that. Make it public and just put heaps of photos of horses and Pilates on there. There's a lot on there as it is, so I need to do that. Thank you, Louise, for yeah. giving me a push. And they can phone me on, do you want my phone number? Yeah, yeah. Yep. 0411 And so that would be if you're actually in Melbourne. If you're in Melbourne. I do do, I run clinics outside of Melbourne. Oh, in so Victoria, in like Victoria. country Victoria. Yeah. So I'm in Dalesford regularly. I go to Geelong relatively regularly. I'm in Gippsland. I'm in, on the Mornington Peninsula, uh -huh. so I'm moving around wow. at the moment on the weekends. Oh, wow, that is awesome. Mm. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been really insightful. I've really enjoyed this interview, actually. It's been so good. Thank you. It's thank been a pleasure. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah, thanks so much, Helen. Thanks so much for joining me. If you've learned something awesome today, do a friend a favour and share this episode so that they too can learn the art of Pilates. You can book a Pilates session with me at louisetorpilates.com. Don't forget, you can see the show notes in your podcast app or over at my other 
other website, twelvepilateschraining.com. So if there is anything you want more info on, check it out there. If you love what you hear, I would really appreciate you leaving a review. I hope that you've enjoyed listening and that you have learned some tips and tricks to help you master the art of Pilates. If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so at patreon.com, the art of Pilates. I hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy Pilates.